Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you because we're talking about men, and we're talking about men's work, and we're talking about how the masculine has gotten hmm, wounded over the years, and uh, what's the right way to say this? A little misled. And I think this is especially important to share, especially as we're coming up to election day here in the U.S. and seeing a lot of shadow masculine playing out and a lot of men in powerful positions are men that haven't really done internal work and are coming more from a place of ego and insecurity rather than true authentic integrity and leadership. And that doesn't just apply to men. That applies to all humans on some level, but I think that the masculine conditioning for so many years has been one of of force and power and ego and aggression, and a lot of men are really confused about what it means to be a man, which is why I think today's interview with Traver Boehm is especially timely. He's a friend of my husband's because they both do men work, and I'm so proud of them both because they used to operate more from the wounded masculine, the shadow masculine, and have committed to doing the inner work on themselves to really be men of integrity. I also shared a video on my Instagram today. Uh, So I don't know when you're listening to this, but I shared it on October 31st. Happy Halloween, by the way, of some clips of men doing men's work with Steph. It was actually at our retreat in Hawaii and it's really moving to watch. And we wanted to share it because we wanted people to see men are doing the work. They are doing the work. And I'm so proud of any human that does the internal work and especially men, because I think, and this is starting to shift, but I think it's in a lot of ways more acceptable for women to do things like cry and go to therapy and talk about their inner child. And oftentimes it's just more difficult for men. Please share this episode. Please share the video I shared of men doing men's work. And it's really a wonderful interview for all humans to listen to, no matter what your gender. There's one thing I just want to clarify. So in the interview, and and Trevor and I have a a friendship, so we were talking about Steph and some of the things that he's been doing lately. And I said, you know, he's been shooting out of helicopters and gone hunting. I want to be super clear. He was not shooting animals out of helicopters. He was on a very specific thing called the Wild Man Experience hosted by our friend Johnny Elsasser, and it was in a controlled environment and they were shooting at targets. So I kind of lumped those two things together and I just want to be really, really clear that it was not shooting at anything living. And the hunting experience he did is a process called sacred hunting, where it's all about connecting to the land, connecting to the animal, really honoring the process and not going out for sport because I think it's different when people are going and drinking and going out for sport than really practicing sacred hunting. So I just wanted to clarify that because I know a lot of you like me are very, very sensitive when it comes to all beings, especially animals. Before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Traver. He is inspiring millions of men to shift their experience of masculinity by combining the primal masculine and the divine masculine. He is an author, speaker, and founder of the Man Uncivilized Movement, as well as a former strength and conditioning coach, a CrossFit gym owner, an MMA fighter, a bodyguard, an acupuncturist, and a surfer. You can check out his amazing TED Talk. I'll put the link in my bio and visit him at manuncivilized.com. And now on to my interview with Traber. Traver, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I think that this is going to be such an important episode. We, you know, I have to say most of my audience is female. However, I do have a lot of men that listen. They, they often hide, but they're, they're there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so I think this is going to be a really, really useful episode for, for both women and men. So I wanted to start, you're really passionate about 
changing the culture of manhood and really what it means to be a man. And that wasn't something that you just woke up one day, like one day you worked at a bank and the next day you're like, I'm going to change what it means to be a man. This is something you came to through your own experience. So could you share a little bit about your journey into why this has become your life's work? Sure, sure, sure. So I had, you know, I've had a unique set of work history, Christine. I got out of school and immediately became a bodyguard. Mm. And so for about six years, I worked with the hyper-masculine, you know, now in hindsight, I worked with elite military, uh, just like guys that were interested in protecting other people. And then I did a complete 180 and went to acupuncture school Mm. and spent four years just steeped in crystals and oils and herbs and the feminine. And went from there and opened a CrossFit gym where I kind of put the two together And my life was exactly as it should have been and was wildly on track and everything was incredible. And then it all fell apart. So I was married at the time. My ex was pregnant. uh, My business was going great. And within a couple months, the pregnancy ended. She decided we should get divorced and my business partnership fell apart. So I had to ask a couple of really interesting questions. And one of which was, who am I? And secondly, this was the first time I'd ever asked this question, who am I as a man? Mm. And I went on the standard, I've lost everything journey and spent a year traveling the world and doing a whole bunch of weird shit. And at the end of it, (laughs) seems like a lot of people's initiation. I'll find myself in India doing this weird thing, or I'll go to Bali and do this ceremony. You know, Mm -hmm. I locked myself in a pitch black room for a month Mm. and that did, you know, worked in hospice uh, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, long story short, I wrote a book called Today I Rise, and it was about how do you recover from divorce or heartbreak? And more importantly, how do you use that to your advantage? And interestingly enough, for the first time in my life, more men than women started reaching out to me because of it. So as an acupuncturist, I had a full female patient load. As a trainer, I mostly trained women. And so I got really curious around, like, why are guys reaching out to me? What is going on here? And I just started getting on the phone. It was at that point where I was like, well, I don't really have much going on right now. So anybody who emailed me, I would just like, hey, would you mind if we had a phone call? And talking to them, I started just getting an awareness that, like, man, you don't have a divorce problem. You don't have a cocaine problem. You don't have a porn problem. You don't have a drinking problem. You have a masculinity problem. Mm. And for whatever reason, I could see just where they were out of alignment in what I thought was going to be a different paradigm of masculinity. I'd say, hey, here's the deal. You've lost touch with your primal nature. Go out in the woods this weekend, like cut down a tree, like do some man shit, come back, let me know what happens. And boom, their lives were different. And other guys, it was the opposite. It was like, oh man, you know how to change a tire. You can cut down the tree. You know how to fight, but you have no idea where your emotions are. Mm. You literally, when I ask, how do you feel? You just stare back at me. Mm. Like no answer. Go do this. I can tell you what I I think, but I can't tell you what I feel. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I feel horny, angry, or I want to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, cool. There's just a couple more than that. So let's dive into that. And so this just was in my awareness of like, gosh, I'm talking to a lot of guys. I'm talking to a lot of guys. And then at the time I was living in New York City and Me Too hit. Mm. So for a period of months, I woke up every day and would read an article that said like men are bad. So and a lot of times they were right. Like Matt Lauer did this horrible thing, such and such and such and such. But what I couldn't see, Christine, I never found at the end of that article was And this is what we should do about it. Yeah, exactly. And and I felt like, wow, for the past year, I've been telling guys what to do about it, but just informally. I remember a guy saying like, you know, at some point you should start charging for this. And I was like, charging for what? For having random conversations? So I threw some ideas out on social media about what if we took the primal, what if we rewilded men and we gave them permission to have desires and be strong and be powerful, yet we tempered this with consciousness, with emotional intelligence, with relational skill, with space holding ability, all the stuff we talk about in the coaching space. What if we put these two together? Mm. And I just threw that out there on Instagram and boom, my life changed overnight. 
I was flooded with messages from men like, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I think I need. You've said it in a way that no one else has. Uh, like, and it was, I was off to the races. And so I just started having more and more conversations and then kind of put it together of, Oh, we are at this juncture where the two prevailing paradigms of masculinity don't work, Mm -hmm. but yet we're pushing men into both of them and then sitting back and be like, well, gosh, it's kind of weird that things are a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yet the disasters were unfortunately highly traumatized women highly traumatized men, highly traumatized children, broken families, abuse, assault, all the things that aren't funny. And so I thought, huh, what if I created a third paradigm that allowed for both the strength and the softness and gave men permission, Mm. and not just permission, but called them into having to have both. Mm. And the results I saw were were off the Mm. charts. Mm. So I just ran with it. What do you think is really broken when it comes to the culture of men? Like, where do you think we're really off? I think in two ways, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're still stuck in between this idea of the 1950s Marlboro man paradigm, which is like, I have no emotions. I have no feelings anything feminine is weak and anything weak is bad. Mm. Like that's, that's the old way. And yet the new way, the, the pendulum swung too far to this sensitive new age guy who essentially just wants to be a woman in a 185 pound, pound male body mm-hmm. or thinks that's what's, that's, what's good. That's what's nice. That's what's going to get him laid. That's what's going to make his marriage last forever. But yet he's completely dissociated from a part of himself. So I'd say to answer your question in a nutshell, we're asking one group of men to dissociate from their feelings. We're asking the other group of men to dissociate from the fact that they're men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that leaves either. So where does the one to dissociate with their feelings, where does that leave that man? And where does the one to dissociate from their masculinity, where does that leave that one? So the guy who has no feelings, one, he's, he's just bankrupt. He's, he's mm-hmm. distraught. He has, no, he has no relationships. He will never get to experience that sweet nectar of, of intimacy, of just sitting across from someone and be like, I'm sad. Yeah. Here's why. And having them say the same thing and having him not freak out, like he gets to experience just this, the juice. And I, I know it's a cliche word, but of intimacy. Yeah. So he has no relationship. Yeah. He has no relationship with his feelings. And, and you and I both know whatever you suppress comes out sideways. So that dude has a drinking problem. Most likely he's got multiple addictions. He's got broken relationships behind him. He's just this bottled up like ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's then, a good way to the put other it. Guy, the other guy has no purpose. He has no sense of purpose in the world. He has no sense of drive. He doesn't believe that he's here for a reason. He, he's completely afraid. And this is the biggie, as you know, from, from Steph as well. He then is terrified of other men. Yep. And so yep. he can't commune with other men, which is the medicine that so many men do need. It is. And it's just not happening very much. You know, it's starting to change now, but it's, it's, yeah. or when they, men do commune, they're doing it in more toxic ways, drinking, yeah. strip clubbing, oh, yeah. working, gambling, the, you know, right. not in the ways that they really need. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the Marlboro man is completely disconnected from his heart. And if we look at the, the planet, you go, okay, a lot, I mean, perhaps even government, a lot of men who are in power have no sense of empathy, compassion, kindness, right? And then the guy on the other side, the sensitive new age guy, he has no sense of his balls. Yeah. He's not going to go out and do anything. He's not going to lead. He's not going to push anything forward. He doesn't have ideas he wants to share with the world. He's got this gift burning in him that he's terrified to actually give to the world. And for the since the vast majority of your audience is female, he's codependent as hell. Mm. he's just going to like suck on and try like, he's going to, he's going to like a parasite to his woman Mm. because he needs the feminine to feel okay in the world. And that is exhausting. Yep. That is very, very exhausting. Uh, <laughs> I've had one of those in the past and it was like, I imagine oh. so much at of your first, audience just nodding their yeah, head right now. Like, at first oh, yeah. it was like, oh, wow, I'm the center of this man's universe. And then it was like, oh my God, get away from me. Get away. Yeah. It's like a puppy <laughs> chewing on your ankle. Yes. You're like, just stop yes, that. Just stop it. Look at hobby. 
<laughs> oh, so before we get to some of the things that I'm so excited to talk about, which is, mm-hmm. you know, why there are not a lot of emotionally available men and things that men can really do to step into their mm-hmm. masculine, healthy masculinity. I'd love for you to share, and I know you shared your story, but if there was a, a turning point, I know for Steph, he talks a lot about how when he, when, when one of his relationships, she finally discovered he was cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the the turning point for him mm-hmm. where he really felt like, and there were other things going on, but he really felt like he was at his rock bottom mm-hmm. um, and was almost ashamed of the man that he was. D- did you have yeah. a moment like that? Yeah. I can tell you, if we go back to when I lost everything, I woke up and realized I am the center point of these two relationships, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm the common denominator between my ex-wife saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. And my business partner saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. And then having to look in the mirror and say, okay, how much am I drinking? How much pot am I smoking? How much porn am I looking at? How dissociated am I? How absent am I from all of these relate? How absent am I from myself? And that sucked. Mm. Like having to take ownership for, you know, I'll tell you for the first week after that all happened, I was like, oh my God, crazy. She just left. It's all her fault. He doesn't want to work with me. It's all his fault. Gosh, how could this be? Yeah. And then like a piano landed on me of, oh, okay, I'm the center point. And mm. I have no conscious understanding of who the hell I am without the feminine or a codependent business partner. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea who I am on my own. Mm-hmm. And I have a belly full of wounds and trauma that I've gone conveniently like, well, that can't affect me. Mm. I have a 500 pound deadlift. Mm. How can anything that happened <laughs> to me when I was five still uh-huh. be affecting me? Uh-huh. 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 I know. I know. I was like, and, what, uh, and what were some of the most important things you do? Because I think that a lot of people hear about men's work, but they don't really know what it means. Uh, so what was, what were some of the most important things that you did? And, and, and also what do you think is if we look at personal development work, psychology, trauma work, mm-hmm. it's pretty human specific, but I also think mm. there are things that are really important for thing for people who are men or identify as a man mm. or masculine versus women and those who identify mm-hmm. as more feminine. So I'm asking a really long-winded question, but the essence of it was, sure. you know, what was really most important for you in terms of the, the men's work and what is different? Like, what do men need in, in personal development work that is very male specific? Great question. I really appreciate you asking this because I asked this question to a bunch of men a month ago and said, what are your male needs that are different than your human needs? And I got a lot of kickback of there aren't any. I'm just a human. Stop trying Mm -hmm. to put me in a box of a man. So to answer your question, first and foremost, I needed to be in a room full of men and be explicitly honest about all the shit I was doing that I didn't want to tell people I was doing. Mm -hmm. I needed to do it in a male container, Mm -hmm. where as a heterosexual male, there was zero tension with anybody in that room relationally or sexually. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. If they had popped one woman in that room, I think I would have held back for Mm. fear of whatever the wiring was that was like, I still want her to want me Mm -hmm. just so that. So communing with men, that was really, really important. Secondly, now, so so that was the biggie. Like I got involved with men's groups. I got involved with guys who are like, really, you're angry. Scream. I was like, I can't do that. I can't make noise. Like scream or we're going to have a bunch of guys hold you down and make you scream. Mm. So I had to get broken down and hit rock bottom and be witnessed by a group of men. Mm-hmm. That was life-changing. So to answer your question, we all have trauma. Humans have trauma. We as humans have to go back and work through and heal as much of that trauma as we can, male or female. Now, specifically, I can tell you that my needs of, as a man are I need purpose, I need something that I'm penetrating the world with, something that I'm bringing into the world. I need, I know it's cliche, but like I need, a, I need some reason to be here as a man. Yeah. Yeah. I describe men as we're like German shepherds. You either give us a bone, which is purpose and mission, and we'll just sit there and we'll chew on it and we'll be so happy and we'll be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing. But if there's no bone, I'll chew the shit out of the couch. Mm. Right. I'll go pee in the corner. 
And what does Ooh. that look like? I love the metaphor, but what is what is chewing on the couch and peeing in the corner look like? So that's creating mayhem. Mm-hmm. That's acting out. Mm-hmm. That's addictions. That's shitty relationships. That's assault. That's getting into fights on weekends mm-hmm. or, or during the, whenever, right? That's punching holes in the wall. That's me acting out because I don't know what else to do with this tremendous energy. Could it be acting into? Because I know a lot of men may not do that, but they may have a really hard inner critic or, um, do inter- like, cause it might not be that outward aggression, but how does it look in kind of maybe more passive man? Cause I know purpose is important to any man. So For they don't sure. have that fiery outburst, but th- how does that, how do they act out in other ways? You know, I would say the, the second, so it's, if we go back to the German shepherd or I go in the corner and I lie down and wait to die, oh, Okay. which is Got depression. It which is living in my mom's basement playing video games, which is just perpetually staying high, right? Which Mm -hmm. is basically checking out, which is your 35-year-old man-child who's just like, no, this is great. I have porn. I have comic books. And no offense to – I'm not demonizing any of these. but And and I just don't do anything. Why? Because there's no reason for me to. Mm -hmm. I don't date even though I I have sexual fantasies up the wazoo. I I don't engage with the world. I think that's the biggie on the opposite end. Yeah. So yeah. so purpose and drive, right? I need that as a guy. I also need competition. I need healthy competition. I need to tussle. Like the first thing I did when I met your husband, I literally remember him being like, you want to go out back and wrestle? And <laughs> really? I, like, I, I think I love you. I think we're now best friends, by the way. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> right? And we were at, you know, we, we were at a group where perhaps that wasn't the main activity. It was more of a spiritual community where we had gathered, but we need that. And when he and I, we, we've run hundreds of guys through that same exercise where it's not, we need to wrestle until someone's bloody on the ground and, and broken. We need to tussle. And so when we've run guys through that, no matter what station in life they're at, from 60 to 17, from ex-professional athlete to computer coder, they all walk away going, wow, that was really important. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I had that in me and that I actually need that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say for the third thing, Christine, we need brotherhood. And it is this key missing ingredient that we stop hanging out with dudes. We stop sharing with each other. And then we become 100% reliant on our feminine partners, if we're speaking heteronormatively. Mm-hmm. And that's when that you take those three away from a guy, and you've got yourself a school shooter, you've got yourself an alcoholic, <sighs> you've got yourself a date rapist. I'm telling, I'm being honest. I know we're using big terms, but like we have the se- you have the seeds for all of that, mm-hmm. or you have the guy who's married but he gets, he's impregnating his secretary mm-hmm. or his babysitter. You have a guy who's acting out like those three things keep men in check. But do you think it's more than just, you know, not being attached to purpose? Because I know like the, the big examples, like if we do school shooter rapist, like that's got to be childhood wounding coming in too. I think it's a mix for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. It's so much stuffed emotion. Yeah. Right. It's so, it's so much of some part of them is so grandiose. And yet maybe those are, those are the far end of the extreme. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, it's misguided purpose. It's like, I can't be seen in the world doing something positive. So I'll be seen in the world doing something negative. I had an ex once say to me, um, who I, he was, he was a bit of a narcissist, maybe not a bit. And he said, because I was very, he was always working, like always mm-hmm. working. And um, he said to me, Christine, my passion misdirected is dangerous. So you should be happy that I'm working so much. You get that? Yeah. Right? Like that's an honest male statement. Yeah. I've spent just like Steph, a number of years in my life in the jujitsu world. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard it was either this or prison. Mm. Like, thank God you're here. Mm. Right. And I don't hear a lot of, you know, I, I, there were five women in jujitsu and none of them were like, it was this or prison. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's part, and we can also, we could pull that back and say, okay, that is trauma. It's, you know, deep seated trauma that needs to be expressed through physicality. Or we can say that testosterone plus a lot of energy, plus a culture in which someone doesn't get to feel special, seen, heard all the things we need to do. Is going to go cool. I, if I can't do it with a pen and paper, I'll do it with a hand grenade. Right. I don't give a 
I don't give a shit. I just need, I need the outcome no matter how I get it. So what do you think? Okay. So let's, let's, let's shift. I think the men are kind of getting it. They're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I get this. I'm sure, I'm sure they're not saying, oh my gosh, like a valley girl as I am right now, <laughs> but they're having their thoughts. Now the women are probably thinking, well, what do I do first? What do I do if I'm with a man who is either the German shepherd biting a couch or the one laying in the corner waiting to die? So let's answer that one first. And the second one is for women who can't seem to meet a man who's not either biting the couch or laying in the corner. These are million dollar questions. I get, you know, I'll tell you, I get asked every day to create a dating app. We do too. I'm like, nope, <laughs> no, thank you. I don't even want to go down that road. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's what women are brilliant at. You're brilliant at enrolling us. Mm. You're brilliant. And here's the conundrum though. For a woman who's dating a man who's chewing on the couch or lying in the corner, enroll that man. Find all the ways that you allow that man to think it's his own idea to walk up to the door and the door of self-development, the door of self-growth, the door of spirituality or sacredness and put his hand on that door with him and tell him, I'm here with you. I've got you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to support you. Then here's the scary part. You have to step back and allow that man to open the door. Mm. And here's the conundrum. I believe personally that on the other side of that door has to be another man. Mm. So he has to find someone that he goes, oh, wow, you look like me. You smell like me, kind of built like me. Cool. Now, because of that, for some weird reason, this is how the male brain works. We will then follow that guy. Okay. But it's, this is the tough part. You can't make him do it. Right. And you can't find it for him. You can't find it for him. Mm-hmm. You can't bring it to him. You can't shame him into it. You can't all the things I get asked this every day about my book. How do I get a guy to read your book without making it feel like I'm leading him? Mm-hmm. I'm like, just send him my Instagram or just leave it on the counter. Mm-hmm. So that's part a part B. How do you find him? I literally just got off the phone with someone in this conundrum and I get, kept telling her, put yourself in the place where these men are. And I know it's not easy. And I think there are far more conscious women on the planet right now than there are conscious men. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And yet we are growing in numbers. So where do conscious men spend their time? Where do you, you're, you're not most likely going to meet someone or you, if you do, it's going to be a bit of luck online or online dating. You're going to have to deal with a sea of shitbirds. So before you find shitbirds, that's a new one. Haven't heard. So that real, one. I'm sorry. Are we allowed to use? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, okay. you're even allowed to invent new cuss words. Okay. Shitbird <laughs> is, is a new one. Yeah. So it's it's who do you spend time with? Who do you associate with? Who do you, you know, where are interesting people? I think social media, on one hand, is the devil, and on the other, it's just the greatest tool we ever have for access to humans. Right. 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 So. Put yourself in a position to be around conscious men, even though knowing, I know it's harder now with COVID because there's not workshops, there's not yoga classes, there's not, you know, lectures, but, and I'll say interesting people hang out in interesting spaces. Hmm. When people ask me like, well, where did you go to meet people who don't drink? Cause I don't drink. I like, I just started hanging out with people who don't drink. I go to places where alcohol wasn't the theme. I didn't go to the bar and look for the one person who wasn't drinking. Right. 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 And I didn't necessarily go hang out at AA meetings. I went to workshops. I went to self-development programs. I went and listened to speakers and struck up conversations with people who are to my right and to my left. Why do you think, and I know you've probably answered this with the um, German shepherd metaphor or analogy. I I never know the difference. Um, (laughs) I think it's a metaphor. (laughs) Because this is something we hear in our Be the Queen program a lot is where are un- all the unavailable men? So I have my own, and I'm writing about this in my next book, ideas of why it doesn't seem like there are like tons and tons of emotionally available men. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious as to why you think um, there aren't, there, there, there's not a lot of them. Okay. This is a big answer. And <clears throat> it's one I've been chewing on for a while now. And it it's multifaceted. So 
please bear with me. I'll try to wrap it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, we live in a culture that still necessitates unavailable men. Mm. So I've used this sentence a lot and it really upsets people, but I'll use it anyway. No, if, if we eliminate toxic masculinity, and I don't like that term, but if we eliminate toxic masculinity, who will do our killing and dying for us? Mm. So think about that. We as a culture still require men to kill. We as a culture still require men to die in higher numbers. So culturally, we have to have enough men who are willing to do that because we still live in a very warring and militaristic culture here in the U.S. So that's going to take a big chunk of men and give them permission, give them accolades, make them feel good about being emotionally unintelligent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Secondly, and this is the one where I just don't know why, Christine, a lot of guys just aren't interested in relationship, hmm. right? Or we use the, you know, it's like golf and relationship are the same. We just, we, we aim for mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want the ball to go straight. Like, I don't give a shit about anything else about golf. And for a lot of guys with relationships, it's, I just don't want it to be awful. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's it. <laughs> It's like the cup noodle thing. It's like, well, there's my stomach is full after I eat it. Who cares if there's any nutrients? Mm. And that's I don't know why that the male animal is like that. Perhaps it's because we've had to deal with so much on the external world in the last 40, 50 years as a culture yeah. and that we haven't dropped into our insides. And then if we go back to the original point that we've been shamed so heavily and yet and with physical ramifications like, so as a little boy, if you're crying and you get beat up for it, if you express your emotions and your mom or your dad like shames the hell out of you, right? Or I'll give you something to cry about. Men don't cry. Yep. Then, then that leads to an entire culture. Then the other guys go to the, to the one guy in their group. Like, hey, Johnny's crying. Johnny's a pussy. Yep. Let's go beat Johnny up. And so if we take like, where are the emotionally intelligent men supposed to come out of those two sets of ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a beautiful moment with Steph yesterday. Um, and like, I think, it, I think in conscious relationships is one of the ways we start to shift this because it mm. takes women doing our work as well and, mm. and knowing how to be in our feminine and knowing that, knowing what a man needs too. like, Sure. When I first heard David Data talk about, you know, men prioritize purpose and women prioritize relationships, mm -hmm. I was like, my purpose is very important to me. And like, why <laughs> should his purpose be important, more important than our relationship? Like they're the same, you know, I had that part of me that was like, this is not fair. Right. And, um, I, I realized in, in so many ways that for my relationship, for the polarity in my relationship to really exist, Steph's purpose really, really, really needs to be nurtured. And mm -hmm. he has more for me when it is. Because mm -hmm. when I become his purpose, mm -hmm. where he's frustrated, he's more aggressive, he's like a lion in a cage. Yep. And he's been doing a lot of things that quite frankly scare me, like mm -hmm. hunting, tactical mm -hmm. training, mm -hmm. um, SWAT shooting out of helicopters, all this like, you know, yep. however, awesome. yeah, <laughs> you think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's terrifying. Um, but what it's doing in addition to his work, but it's giving him this, this, this outlet that's yeah. not violence against people, right? Cause men seem to have that go mm -hmm. out and like not kill, but like fight and aggress. And, and I think it's gotten so toxic because mm -hmm. men have to carry the collective shame of killing people and war. I mean, mm -hmm. there have been way more men that have gone to war. And I know we have female soldiers. I get that for, for sure. everybody. I, I can hear you saying, but women too. But for yep. the most part, for centuries and centuries and centuries, men have been the ones that have been going to war and, and have died and, and killed. And I think that's a trauma that's in the collective that isn't really being talked about. And sure. so my, my whole point in this is it's this delicate balance of finding not only purpose in terms of career, but an expression for that aggression. And I mm -hmm. have seen that things that maybe I would do that used to set stuff off because he'd get triggered. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. able to come to me with so much more vulnerability. 
And mm. he's not being a woman. He's just right. able to, because his masculine is satisfied, he's able to yep. tap into his healthy feminine. And, and then I'm actually able to hear him versus him lashing out at me, an unhealthy masculine, and then me coming into my masculine and having yep. to fight against him. So it really is this, this delicate balance, not delicate balance, but like a balance of how do we, what will heal the trauma that comes from centuries of holding that aggression in, mm -hmm. in the consciousness and the collective consciousness with finding outlets for it that actually are healthy. It's so, so true, Christine. And I'd love to add one more small Please. point. If you think about in the 60s here in the US, that's my dad's generation, the man who mm -hmm. raised me, it was either go to Vietnam or go to jail, mm. right? Like there was no choice. And, and you're talking about 18, 19 year old boys. Yeah. We can call them men. Sure. Now go hang out with a bunch of 18 year olds, right? right? It was, <laughs> it was literally go to war and go die or go kill people or go to jail. That's where we were culturally. So that was the man who raised me. So that's in the, it's in the field. And so we're, we go, oh, wow, but war is, no, 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 war is still here. It's still in the culture. And so also male trauma is just starting to get talked about. And I met with a guy, uh, um, a wonderful, wonderful therapist in his 70s a week ago who said, I believe that boys and girls are sexually violated at the same rate up until a certain age, but yet we never talk about it with boys, mm -hmm. except for the Catholic church. And we kind of blow through it. Mm -hmm. And so that's in the culture. And then from a certain age on men, because, because we grow into these bodies, we become the perpetrators. But if we go back, if you want to dive a little bit deeper, I've just been playing with this idea around archetypes recently that the male, the original male archetype is still the hunter. Mm -hmm. It had to be, because we had to, at some point go out and get food. And then that turned into, it shifted into the archetype of the predator, which then shifted into the archetype of the warrior. And the warrior was there to stand guard in the village where we've co-opted it and gotten really, really messy is we've taken the archetype of the warrior and turned them into the archetype of the soldier. Mm. And that's still culturally the pervasive male archetype. It's in the, it's so deep in the male culture that we don't even see it. And that goes back to my point of toxic masculinity, who will do our killing and dying. So we have to also evolve out of that as men. And so I love the fact that Steph is hunting. I love the fact he's shooting out of planes because he's doing these, he's scratching that, that itch that's so deep under the surface. Mm -hmm. He may not even, he may not be coming to you and saying, Christine, you know, I really need to go shoot out of a helicopter because <laughs> archetypally, like, <laughs> but he's aware enough to know he needs to do that. Yeah. And you're aware enough to see, wow, when he does that, he's settled. Yeah. And he, and he's, you know, even doing it and like, even with hunting, it's, it's a sacred, it's a sacred process. Mm -hmm. It's he's, he's carrying the animal, skinning the animal, cleaning the, like, yep. it's not like he's just doing it for sports, sending it off no, and drinking no, no. a beer. And right. I think that's another thing. There's a lot of these things women might be listening and be like, well, my partner hunts and he goes out with the boys and, but there's it's, there's aggression and getting that out in a healthy way and in a satisfying mm -hmm. way versus an addictive way. And I think knowing yeah. the difference is really important. And that goes for women too. You know, we all need ways to blow off steam mm -hmm. and, you know, women need ways to feel, we need ways to feel creative. We need ways to feel connected. We need ways and we need ways to feel like, cause we're fiery as well to get oh, that, yeah. that passion out. But we want to sure. make sure we're doing it in healthy ways so that when we come back, we're satiated. Like when he comes back, he's full. He's mm -hmm. not like looking for like the next thing. And right. that to me is, and for me too, when I go out and do something that's fulfilling, that's how I know that, okay, I'm full. And like, I, this was a healthy expression. Yeah. There's, there's primary satisfaction and secondary satisfaction. Mm. And we as a culture, especially the male culture, if you want to talk about dating and relationship, primary satisfaction is me sitting in front of my partner with no distraction and a quiet meal and just talking about very deep, vulnerable things. I walk away from that full, yet I can sit downstairs and look at porn and I'm secondarily satisfied. Like, yeah, sure. Just, I got off and I saw some things and it was, it was neat, but <laughs> neat. <laughs> two minutes later, <laughs> I have the itch again. Yeah. Because like my pride, like so, it's it's almost like different levels of nourishment. Mm. Like we're living in this junk food culture of satisfaction, which requires more junk food. Yeah.
And, and that's consciousness. Like, I love how you said for Steph, it's sacred. Mm-hmm. So when I brought in the primal, I was like, you don't get to be primal without bring calling in the divine. Mm-hmm. You don't get to just go hunt fish and change tires and be like, I'm good without consciousness. You need the male animal right now. The male collective is desperate for and in and, and desperate need of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. So let's, one of the things that you coach men on is, is getting off a junk food diet when it comes to the feminine. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. All, men, again, if we go to what's an organic grass fed meal relationally, it's intimacy, it's connection. It's real heartfelt, open hearted connection. And I know a lot of guys like, Oh God, are like rolling their eyes at these words. But when you walk away from the experience and go, wow, I feel better than on my best night of drinking and hanging out with the boys and doing stupid shit or, you know, sleeping with five women in a week, whatever it is, I feel so much better now having had this high quality experience than I did having these lower quality experiences. That's when a man can consciously look at both and make a choice. But if we have a say we have a culture that all we fed them is McDonald's. And for men, that's it's it's one-off sex, it's it's porn, it's it's a it's, it's addiction in any other form. Mm-hmm. And all we've done is fed them McDonald's, but we keep talking about, oh man, you gotta go to Whole Foods. Whole Foods is great. Mm-hmm. Whole Foods has really, really beautiful meals. Like they have no conscious contact of it. And so most most guys are like, well, McDonald's is good. It tastes good. My like all the little flavor things in my mouth light up. What could be wrong with it? So, in, at first, we have to get them to walk away from that, but then they have to be have to replace it with something intimate. And oftentimes, because women come with a charge or women come with different background trauma, they try to do it with men. Mm. So, can you take a guy to lunch and say, "Tell me, man, how are things going, really?" Or can you lead with some vulnerability? And then walk away from that lunch. Go, how do you feel? You feel like how you hope you'll feel by ingesting the junk food feminine, but you never do. Mm. So that's really how we have to rewire it. We have to, one, get them to just cut it out just for a period. And I'm getting ready to do this with a group of guys for a month where it's no porn, no masturbation, nothing even on the fringe. I kind of joked with you. It's like none of the Instagram yoga pages. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing where it's like, well, it's no sexting. It's no reaching out to someone you don't have a relationship with and having a titillating conversation, which is like some six chicken nuggets. Like, okay, I'm full, but I've just eaten computer paper. Right. For lack of a better term. Right. So I walk away from that excited and charged and with a little dopamine hit, but I, that's not a fuel source and that's going to be gone in, in 45 minutes. I'm going to need mm-hmm. to do it again. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know no, it, it does. It does. And I want to, I want to bring it back to the women for a second. So what are some signs? Let's, let's talk to, to single women that are looking sure. for a relationship and what are some signs? And, and I guess right, right now we're talking about heterosexual relationships. So a woman who is looking for a man who is emotionally available or is on his way, like is really working toward it. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the stuff I'm with now is not the stuff that I met. He's come sure, so, so, so far, but he was willing and there and had done a lot of like, like he just had carry on baggage. Like he didn't have tons of cargo coming with him. Yeah. Like he had, you know, we both just had light loads. Yeah. You're um, human. Yeah. Ex- hell yes, exactly. We still have stuff come up. Um, so that man who is emotionally available, what are some red flags that no, this guy isn't, he's pretending he is. Cause I think a lot of women Ooh. think, oh my God, he's so vulnerable and he's so open and he's into all this personal growth. And then six months later they discover it was all a show. You know? So what are some of the red flags and what are the things that we like really know? Okay. This guy actually is doing his work. That is a juicy question. I will always come back to actions speak louder than words. Mm. So, and, and, and Christine, you Humans are magnificent. You have these incredible radars that are like, "Mm, that just doesn't feel like it. Mm. Or what he's saying here doesn't match up with what he's doing here. So I can't think of a specific off the top of my head other than a man in my, I know my role in a conscious relationship is to continually bring things to my partner. 
yeah. to not wait for her to be all be like, hey, can we have this talk? It's me being the one like, hey, so we've been dating for two months. Uh, here's how I think things are going. Here's where I'd like to take them. Here's here's what I, I see is here's some of my challenges. Here are some of the ways I could have supported you better last week, but I didn't. What are some of the ways you think you could have supported me? Here are some of the ways I think I really did support you well last week. So I will go back to men of, and perhaps this may upset people. I want men leading and I want men leading in relationship. So it does not mean that that man has it all figured out. It doesn't mean that he's not going to make a mistake. Doesn't mean that he's not going to screw up, but does he then circle back around and call his own shit? Mm. I think that's the number one, I guess, green flag. So the opposite would be the opposite. <laughs> but right, if he comes and says, you know what, I could have done better with this thing. I've been thinking about this like a week ago. I did this, this, and this, and I could have done it better. I'm sorry. And here's my plan. Uh, I think that's the best flag. And for the red flags, gosh, please just take a breath and go do is there any point where the words don't match the actions? Mm -hmm. And if so, bring that up. And then that man's reaction right then and there will tell you. Yeah. I've had partners like, Hey, you know what? You said this and are doing this. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, you're right. Yeah. Or actually, you know what? This is, this was my attempt to do X and it came out Y. So I'll own that it came out Y or that you experienced it as Y. Hmm. How could I have done it to make it feel like X? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to not just a particular like, oh my God, he didn't, he didn't text me at two in the morning. It's more of, is that man fully engaged with you in not just the positive aspects of the relationship, but also the challenging? Yeah. Is yeah. he bringing that shit forward? Yeah. I think that's so key. That was one of the things that made me feel so safe with Steph from the beginning. Like when he, mm -hmm. he called, when he said he would, he mm -hmm. all followed through with his actions. I never... I never like edited a text I sent him or overthought it or, you know, it was just, it was just like, I knew where I stood with it. And I agree with you that men should lead. And I think that's important because you know, even like whoever's in the masculine energe energetic needs to leave because for there to be polar polarity, the feminine energetic needs to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And when we feel uncertain, it's like, look at what's happening in 2020. We are so uncertain with what's going oh on in the gosh. world. And people yeah. are triggered up the wazoo because no one feels safe right. because there's not a strong masculine leading. We've got a big mm -hmm. wounded masculine government leading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the world doesn't feel safe. And right. so when we have that strong leadership, not control, not domination, not mm -hmm. I decide where we eat and I decide oh, what God. we do. And, and that's right. not that. We're not talking <laughs> right. about the marble man, like machismo, you know, <laughs> it, but it's like, it's, it's really making it so there's clarity and there's consistency. So the feminine can really relax. 110%. Mm. I, I've said this a month or so ago to a group of guys that ambiguity is the death of intimacy. Mm -hmm. So look at all the places in your relationship where you don't know, and that's your partner doesn't know either. And if she doesn't know, it doesn't mean that you have to have everything figured out, but you need to come and say, you know, this is what's unclear for me. This is where I, I am actually not that sure. And then you as the man need to go and do that work yourself and figure out where is, what am I unclear about? What am I unsure about? And it doesn't mean, I hope this is really clear, that you don't have to have this perfectly perfect map for the next 50 years of where you'll be when and what you'll do then and all the things. But it just has to have honesty. Yeah. I think, you know, Christian, it keeps coming back to that of let's just be radically, radically honest. And if you, if for a man, a man, if there's a point where you say, I don't know, then you have some work to go to do to try to ask yourself, is that a bypass? Do I not want to know? do I really know? And I just don't want to say it. Yeah. I think that's so much of the modern, you know, if we want to talk about modern day relationship and dating, it's a lot of guys who are afraid to put a stake in the ground because one, they've been traumatized in relationship or two, they have unending availability right now. And so they're really not sure, or they're, they're conflicted. Part of them wants to be in a conscious, sacred, amazing relationship. And part of them really likes the attention they're getting on dating apps. Yeah. So they don't know what to do or right. they're conflicted. And we've, we've created this social environment that is a bit of a shit show, um, 
that's like everybody wants their cake and eat it too. Right. Right. We can't have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, as we wrap up here, Trevor, I wanted to ask you, um, last weekend, Steph and I were at an event and we were facilitating a healing between the masculine and feminine. And it was deeply profound and people were mm-hmm. incredibly moved by it. And and we've been doing this work for a while and we know how important it is that there's so much wounding between men and women, between the masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And my question for you is what do you think women need to do or what's our invitation to really help the masculine heal? Because I know that as men heal, that helps heal the masculine inside mm-hmm. ourselves. because so much of a woman's wounded masculine or shadow masculine behavior comes from learning it from men. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do, what can we do? What can we do to help? It's such a beautiful question. It is to take a supportive role mm-hmm. because you cannot heal for us and, I, and you cannot heal us for us. I think that's so much of the challenge of the last five years was because you're the ones most getting heavily traumatized, of course, it's in your best interest to make sure that we're healed. It makes perfect sense. So to ask you to take a step back and for allow men to actually step forward and do the healing work on our own is a huge risk. Mm-hmm. It's a huge ask, yet it's the only th- only way I can see it happening. And yet what the, the challenge with it is, if you do take that step back or step to the side, that man has to then step forward himself and yeah. do the healing. And I know so many women are like, I'm done stepping to the back or stepping to the side. Cause when I do, the dude just stands there. Yeah. 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 And I get that. I totally, totally get that. And that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing in the world. Steph's doing the work he's doing in the yeah. world. A number of our friends are doing the work we're doing in the world, but culture changes slowly. Yeah. Right. And it's really unfortunate. Healing takes time. Permission takes time. We have to unlearn and un- unindoctrinate so many millions and millions and millions of messages that said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and ignore them and say, actually, I feel called to come forward and do it. Mm. I love that. When you first said, take a supporting role, I was like, ooh, that's going to trigger a lot of women. But then yeah, <laughs> you explained it. It was like, oh, I think we confuse the word supportive and submissive, and supportive and subservient. And yeah. we're like, supportive. Uh, but I have seen that in my own relationship that yes. when I, even with, with work, right. Because I'm, you know, we came into our relationship and I was farther ahead in my career path than Steph. Mm-hmm. And if I would have took, taken a leading role and coached mm-hmm. him versus mm-hmm. just supported and been his muse and his, the person mm-hmm. that just, I don't know if we'd still be together, honestly. Yeah. And so I see that and that actually that's one of the things I believe as women that we've lost touch with is the power of being that supportive mm-hmm. role. We, we've mm-hmm. minimized that. We think that's less than, right. but oh my God, that is powerful because you're calling someone forward. It's like teaching someone to fish versus doing it for them. 100%. Mm-hmm. I love the image of a woman standing next to me with her hand on my shoulder and her other hand kind of pointing the way. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, that. here's the path. And I'm going to be here for you. And I'm going to be here with you. And I'll help you when you stumble. But she just can't be in front of me pulling me along, which is very much in the culture. And you see it with, with social media posts of like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, you know, support. Yeah, it's, it's confusing. And I understand the confusion. Yeah, yeah. But support is power. Mm. It truly, truly is. Mm. And we have to ask ourselves, do we want the result or do we want the position that we think we hold? I love that. We want the result. I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh, Trevor, you're doing such amazing work. Tell people about your book. Tell people where they can follow you and learn more, please. Beautiful. Yeah. My book is called Man Uncivilized. And Christine, this thing was a journey. (laughs) It took about from first word typed to actually holding the finished printed object was about 14 months. And if you look at it, I actually took my words. I I locked myself in a house for about two months and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And at the time I was dating and I didn't even know this that much about her. One of the number one designers in New York city. Mm. So she read it all and said, this is some of the most powerful writing I've ever read. If you put black ink on white paper, no dude's going to read it. So give it to me. Let me turn it into a piece of art. Oh, I love that. Right. And so she took it and then made 
made it into this, you know, it's been described as like a, a hand grenade wrapped in art or a hand grenade wrapped in wrapping paper. And so it is this set of very simple writings, 65 writings of small chapters of, hey, here's how you can change your life as a man. Here's a different paradigm for you as a man. I broke it into four chapters, fight, fuck, feed, and feel. <laughs> this is this is the, the sections Super of simple. the <laughs> Super simple. Like people have told me, I just turn to a, any page and I read for 10 minutes and I'm good for the day. And so please get a hold of it. Um, you can get it at my website at manuncivilized.com forward slash the book. It's on Audible. I sell it myself because the printing's so unique. Uh, and take a look at it. It's black, it's black paper, white ink. Um, it's got a lot of imagery. And then I spend a lot of my time on Instagram, and that's at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. And I've got this amazing group, too, that I'd love for people to know about, which is just a men's group mm. called the Uncivilized Nation that has just exponentially grown in the time of COVID and turned into something that I was like, oh, cool, it'll just be a place for guys to hang out, which is now has a curriculum. I've gotten teams on it. We have team love leaders. It. Guys are doing just amazing, amazing work. And it was my answer to the question, how do I get involved in this? I live in Indiana. And I was like, oh, um, I don't know. But now I do know. Mm, I love that. Oh, I love yeah. that. All right, everybody. All of that will be linked in the show notes. Um, you know, I, I know Traver personally through my husband that he wrestled with. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he really walks the talk and is proof. I mean, you and Steph and so many are proof that men can come out of the shadows. I mean, if we took both of you 10 years ago, oh, oh my God, so toxic. Disaster. Would have would have like told all my female friends to stay away from you both, like you know, like, 100%. and and look look where you are now. So yeah. if you are a man in this place where you feel like you just have so much shame, you know how to get out of the other side of it. Find good men like Traver to to help you get to the other side. And if you are a woman that's maybe with a man who hasn't stepped forward, you know you can't can't drag them. You have to be in that feminine power, be in that supportive role, put the book on the counter, be like, uh, you know, go this direction. <laughs> like it's up to you. Just open to any page. Open to any what- page. And, and also don't be afraid to walk away. Cause often I know that I've awoken a couple men by walking away mm-hmm. and it's not a, you know, I'm not saying, you know, walk away, wake them up and hopefully they'll come back and you can say no and then you'll have revenge. It's not that. It's more sometimes that is the wake up call is to be like, look, I'm headed down this path. And if you're not going to do your work, then, you know, there's no way for us to work together. But I think we're in such a beautiful, beautiful time of of healing, both individually Mm -hmm. and between the masculine and feminine. So I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate this venue, your time, and, and the work you're doing in the world as well. And your amazing husband. Aww. <laughs> any any um, just final words of wisdom for a man that may be, you know, right on the precipice of starting to, like, look deep inside and do his work? Yeah, this is – it's it takes fucking balls. Mm-hmm. It's going to take the same courage that the men who came before us used to build civilizations and fight wars – It's going to take that same amount of courage for you to look in the mirror and go, wow, there's pain in me that I don't even want to admit. And so grab yourself, steal yourself, and just have faith that on the other side of that pain, on the other side of that trauma, on the other side of these patterns is a life that you didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And it's filled with peace. It's filled with joy. And it's filled with the love that you really, really need. And you're so desperate for, and just own it. You know, Christina, I asked uh, Michaela Bohm, I was like, what is the one thing you wish men knew? And she's like a freak savant at this. She said, I wish men just realized how sensitive they were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, I stopped the conversation. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So guys, just own that. It's okay. You have massive, massive hearts. Own your heart. Yeah. No, I see it with my little nephews. I have three. Right? three well, we have five nephews between us, but I obviously two live in Australia, so I only see the three here more. Mm-hmm. And I see it. They are deeply sensitive. They are more sensitive than uh, my friends who have daughters. Like mm. the, you know, like not that girls aren't sensitive, but boy, little boys are tender. 
Mm-hmm. And it gets yeah. conditioned out, you know? Yeah. And they want to fight and ride bikes <laughs> and shoot guns. You know what I mean? <laughs> and break shit. Oh, my God. And do things that's like, oh, my God, please don't send me to the ER when I'm babysitting you. Please, please. No. I'm just like, oh, God. So wild, this is in them. Yeah. My sister, when she, when I'm watching him, she's like, just let him play outside. It's best not to look. Just every once in a while. Outside. <laughs> Well, Traver, I adore you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you immensely. Thank you.